0: They lined up outside a tall, massive, concrete venue, a building, excited, eager to get inside. They paid good money for it. You look at their faces, and they have the faces of worshipers anticipating what's to come. There's old and young. There's, there's, there's young guys dressed in flannel, although they've never held a chainsaw. Uh, there's... Hipsters and oldsters, and and, and they're all there for the same reason. They're all there to see and experience their object of worship. The doors open, and and they flood in. And they stand in this, this large, large auditorium, massive ceilings, great sound system, ready to go. And then their idols take the stage. They come out and they they don't introduce themselves. They need no introduction. They plug in guitars. They ready themselves. A hush comes over the audience. And then someone starts yelling. And then they all start yelling that they're so, so excited that they've been ready for this moment for months. And the band starts singing. and 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 they only have to hear about four chords, maybe less, before they know the first song by heart. But there's no need for words on a screen. They know them all, and they sing along to every one. They've had them memorized for a long time. And the band plays. And, and behind the band, there are these large, different-shaped uh, screens suspended from the ceiling. And, and, and the screens move. They, they actually move in different ways depending on what the, what the song is. And, and there's lights, and there's, there's brightness, and there's darkness, and there's, there's just this awesome feeling all the way through. Towards the end of the performance, the idols play a, a well-known song. And, and it starts kind of soft. That's the verse. And then they get to the chorus, and they just blast it. And, and when they blast it, there's these gigantic lights that are, that, that are also blasting the audience with so a blast of sound as the anthem is sung, and there's a blast of bright yellow light that just envelopes everybody and everything, and you can barely look at the stage, you can barely see your idol, and the worshipers go crazy. In enthusiasm. It, it, it's a religious experience. It's an ecstatic experience. And they never felt anything like it. And then the band winds down their set. They walk off the stage. The people cry out for more. The worshippers want more. And maybe there's a few more songs played. And then the worshipers file out of the massive cathedral. And they, they walk out. Some of them stumble out. And they see uh, large pictures of their idols. And some of them pay $20, $30 for this massive poster of their idol. Some of them are going to frame them. Some of them are going to put them up in their bedroom or their, their man cave. And, then, and they're going to have that up for everyone to see. And they're going to remember their time tonight. It was like none other. And then they stumble into the darkness. Some go to their cars and drive home, and some go to the local coffee shop with their friends, and they reminisce on their favorite moments of that experience. They talk about the songs, and why didn't they play that one? That was my favorite. But eventually they make it home, and they get in bed, and they go to sleep. The majority probably sleep in on a Sunday morning. But there's a few that are roused by parents or, or or maybe the boyfriend or the girlfriend calls and says, get out, I don't care what you were doing last night, we're going to church. All right, so they get dressed and they look in the mirror and they're scared of what they see. And so they walk quickly out of the bathroom uh, and they go to church. And they walk in, having not been in a church for a long, long time, And, and, and they walk in and they, and they, and they notice a band. And they know what that's about. They know what bands do. But the band starts and there's no light show. There's no bright blasting lights. The people on stage are not wearing flannel. They can, they can actually hear other people singing instead of just the sound of electric guitars. They can actually hear the worshipers singing in unison. And part of them thinks, this is so lame. I'd be putting up lights. I'd be blasting. I'd be turning down the house lights and just getting the lights on the stage. I know how I would do it. And if I ever find myself in a church, I'm going to find one that could do it the way I saw it last night. And yet there's something small and nagging in their spirit that that maybe, maybe these people seem to be singing to someone that's not on the stage, someone that they can't even see in the building, and yet everyone seems to know is actually there and present amongst them. And it does make them wonder who that person is that everyone is singing to. Let me pray for us, and then uh, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12. Father, I pray for our time this morning. We are worshipers. We are made to lift you up. And we know that if we don't lift you up, we'll lift someone or something else up. And so I pray that you would purify our worship, that you would give good gifts to us that we can use to build other people up, that we would be a selfless people. So I pray that as we talk through this passage today, you'd help us understand it and live it, to know it and to do it. In Christ's name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, visits Corinth, uh, a visit he'll make a few times. And one of the things you got to know about Corinth is they love their worship of other gods. Aphrodite is one of the main ones. She has a thousand priestesses slash prostitutes that, that go down into the city at the end of the day to do their religious duties. There's also these... These mystery religions, these mystery cults, they're called mystery cults because, hello, they're a mystery. We don't know what they did, you know. They bring people in, and you can't tell anybody about the secret knowledge we're going to give to you. But certainly in these pagan religious experiences, there was ecstasy, there was sexuality, there was speaking in other languages, there, were, um, there was dancing around and cutting yourself. All of these things so that you could feel united to a God. So that you could have an experience like none other. And, and, and people would watch each other. They'd say, oh, look what he's doing. Look what she's saying. And it was kind of like this, I'm here for the experience. That's what I want. And when you see someone having it, you know it because they're showing it. They're saying it. They're doing it. They're dancing it. You know it. And it's within that context, and I think it's similar to the best analogy I had in my mind was, it's like someone going to an incredible rock concert with their favorite band. And and, and I'm just telling you, I'm just describing what I've seen with my own eyes. I'm not making this up like my my earlier, uh, what I said. It's like going to a rock concert and then going to church the next day and saying, well, I know what I felt when I saw the band play last night, but what's going on with the band on Sunday morning? What's going on with their singing, with their worship? What's happening here? And I don't quite get it, but I know that if I was designing it, we'd have much brighter lights and we'd have uh, flashiness, and, and, and everybody would be dressed a certain way, and it would sound like this. And I think this is the issue of the Corinthian church. That, that they know what having a spiritual experience looks like and feels like, and then Paul is about to rock their world and say, that's not how spiritual gifts work. That's not how the church is supposed to operate. Whatever you thought you knew back then when you worshipped a pagan god, this god is not like that. And let me tell you the differences. How would you explain the difference between a rock concert and a church worshipping? I bet you'd have some descriptive words to say. And I think that's what Paul does here. So we're going to read First uh, Corinthians twelve one through 3 uh, we are in a series on spiritual gifts. This is actually week one. For those of you that are in your small groups, so this is week one. Um, last week was kind of the taste, uh, get us all ready for what's coming up. But this is week one. What are spiritual gifts? We're reading verses 1 through 3 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Here's what he does. He says, when it comes to spiritual gifts, if you want to know a truly spiritual person using their spiritual gifts for the glory of God, you've got to know, I don't want you to be ignorant of this, which implies that some of them were ignorant. They didn't understand. And so he says, I want you to know that if somebody in your gathering has a religious experience and if they curse Jesus during their religious experience within the church within the house church or wherever they're at, that person is not spiritual that person is not speaking by the Holy Spirit if they're if they're caught up in something in the moment and and, and they curse Jesus that's not the Holy Spirit talking but then he says likewise if if someone is talking And if they do exalt Jesus as Lord, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit enabling them to praise Christ. That's a miracle. That's a spirit working inside somebody. So number one, number one is this gifts are inseparable from the praise of Christ. Gifts are inseparable from the praise of Christ. So when Paul says, I want to talk to you about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. Uh, where he goes first is, I want to talk about this praising of Christ. And so, some people use their gifts, and we want to encourage the person using the gift, but we don't want to praise them and glorify them. And there's a fine line there, isn't it? Between someone using their gift, and you say, oh, that was so good, thank you for doing that, but, but you're leading me to praise Christ because of what you did or what you said. You see what I mean? You you can encourage them and call out their gift and say, I saw it, it was so good, I'm so glad you used it, and I'm thankful for every time someone encourages me, but your gift makes me praise Christ. And that's the best. That's the best. That's what spiritual gifts are given for, to ultimately glorify Jesus Christ. So if if the spiritual gift all seems to be about the person... If you tend to focus on the person using their gift, and you think about them all the time, and how great they are, and what they did, and, and oh my goodness, they're so amazing, you've missed it. Because they're supposed to be pointing to Jesus, and how amazing he is, because he gave the gift. Through the will of the Holy Spirit, he gave the gift. So you've got to remember, whenever you open your mouth, whenever you do something, and you use your spiritual gift... It ought to result somehow in the praise of Christ. Uh, you'll, I, I don't mean to say it's all about how I do it, but probably enough of you have said things to me about uh, preaching and this touched my heart or whatever. And, and typically my response, and, and Christie's is too, for worship, is to say, praise God, praise Christ. And I'm not trying to shortcut your encouragement because I'm glad for it, but I also know that if you heard anything today, it was because Christ wants to be exalted And that's what he's about. And so we can have it both ways. We can encourage the person, but give glory to Christ and not to the person. That's different from buying the poster of your favorite rock band and having them sign it. That's different. You ever ever sat with a famous preacher or teacher and thought to yourself, I could practically have that guy sign my Bible. John MacArthur, here you go. John Piper, please sign. Francis Chan, I need you to sign this. No, like all you see from them is what Christ gave them to give. OK, there we go. All right. Sign my Bible. Uh, All right, let's read four through 11, four through 11. There's our next part. Uh, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So let's talk about what gifts are here in number two. Uh, first of all, maybe, uh, well, yeah, number two, let's do number two. Gifts, which is the word charisma, are a grace, uh, charis, given according to the will of one spirit. So so spiritual gifts, which you see is the word charisma, and it's, it's a grace, which is the word charis. And, and, and you see those words are very similar, right? So gifts come from the word grace. You don't deserve them. You don't earn them. But when you become a Christian, you are given one or two or three, maybe in different amounts, different levels of intensity. But you get them as a believer. They're, they're, they're not, I understand common grace. It's the grace God gives to believers and unbelievers like he causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And, and, and so it's true that when you're born, you're born with some abilities, right? You know, some people are more athletic than others. Some people are smarter than others, more handsome than others. You know, however it works. But, but there's a common grace that's given to people. Whatever you're good at, you have talents. I'm not musical, you know. I, I, if I wanted to be, maybe I could try, but I don't, I don't think it'd work as well as many of you. Um, so, so here it is. That these gifts, though, are a grace. So the spirit, the one spirit, decides who gets what. There's one decision-making body. It's not a committee. It it doesn't work like that. It's one spirit saying, I want you to have this. I want you to have that. And this is how it's all going to orchestrate. And you're going to live in the Northwoods, and you're going to use your gifts in this area. And this is how it's going to play out. Because we need you in this church using your gifts. They are a grace. And so... If you find yourself saying, but I don't like my gift. My gift's not flashy enough. I wish I had a talking gift. I clam up when it comes time to share something. Uh, you still have to talk. We all have to talk. We all need to give testimony to Christ. But, but I know not everybody has the, the talking gift. Evangelism, teaching, preaching, encouragement, exhortation. These, these speaking gifts. Uh, maybe you wish you had a different one. We'll come to that in a minute. But, but what you have to understand is whatever you do have... It's given by the Holy Spirit and only to believers in Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer, you don't have a spiritual gift. You have other talents and abilities, but not a spiritual gift, not one that's empowered by the one Spirit. Maybe this is a good time to put up my definition, Jim, of um, spiritual gifts. I think I skipped right over it. Probably a good time to do it. Um, I like Charles Ryrie. And uh, he gives a great definition out of his basic theology. Spiritual gifts are a God-given ability for service. That's it. God gave them, and with them you serve. They're a God-given ability for service. Thank you, Chuck Ryrie. Um, Good stuff. Um, The other thing I would say about verses 4 through 11, if you look back at 4 through 11, in verse 7, It says now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For the common good. It's for all of us to benefit. So number three is this. Gifts are not about you, but about benefiting other people. They're about benefiting others. Now, we will probably offer a spiritual gifts assessment if you've never, if you're still discovering your gifts, There are these inventories or assessments or tests, if you will, that people take. And you answer a bunch of questions about yourself. And at the end, you tally everything up. And it kind of tells you maybe your gift is this, the gift of faith. Maybe it's a gift of mercy. Maybe it's encouragement. Uh, But whatever it is, you you take the test and you find the results. I, I think that's fine. But with a big but, I think there's a danger here that normally when you think of spiritual gifts, you think of you first. You, you, the focus is kind of on me, and that, that's a danger in this whole thing. Let me tell you why. It's kind of like when someone takes a group picture. It's a work picture, or, or you went on vacation with friends, and they took a picture. But whatever it is, they take a picture, and you see the picture, and the first person you look at is who? You. You always look at you first, you selfish people. Uh, you always look at you. And I always look at me. I always look at me. You know, does my hair look good? Was I blinking? Do I have the red eyes? Do I look fat? You know, it's all of those questions. How do I look? Is everything okay about me? And a spiritual gifts assessment is all about you. And it can feed into that. It's all about me. And yet I read spiritual gifts here, and Paul says it's all about them, it's the common good. Now I am gonna deal with what if you feel bad about your gift. I, I am getting to that, but, but, but just to say right now at this juncture, if you think about spiritual gifts and what you've got or what you don't got or what you're doing or what you're not doing and how you're gonna look when you're doing it, no. Because it's not about you. It was about building somebody else up. You got your eyes on the wrong person. Stop looking in the mirror. You were supposed to use your gift for somebody else. And so what's one of... So so the truly best way to find out if you have a spiritual gift is you start doing different things and you see what what the Spirit blesses. How the Spirit uses you. What's the person's reaction when you encourage them? When you exhort them? When you share a word of wisdom? When you teach? What's the results of that that spiritual action and, and then look at that and see was that the spirit doing that is, is he working powerfully when i step up and do that and like that, that's about them it's about what you're doing to build other people up so i think there's a huge danger in doing a spiritual gift series at church because it can give people depression we're supposed to constantly look at us and that's not what spiritual gifts are about once you know what they are great but use them for somebody else there's the danger Uh, in verses 12 through 27, I preached a whole message on the body analogy. I'm not going to, we'd be here all morning if I preached every verse in 1 Corinthians 12. But but Paul wants to give this, this image of you're all parts of a body. And, and, you, and a lot of you know this. There's hands, there's feet, there's eyes, there's noses. I'm not sure who you nose people are, but maybe you've thought of yourself as a nose. Um, but he says, all of you have... A function in the body. All of you are needed. If you're not using your gift, the body's not as good as it should be or could be. Which makes you kind of wonder if you have an issue with your church. Maybe you're from this church or another church and you say, I don't like this about our church. We're not doing this right. One of the first questions you ought to ask is, am I using my gift to build other people up? Are we using our gifts together? Are we missing, are there holes because people aren't using their gifts? That's what they're there for. All right. So I'm skipping over the body analogy, but, but obviously the point is you might be a hand, a foot, a nose, an ear, or a mouth like myself, and you have a place in this body. If you're the hand, you're delivering firewood in the winter to people that need heat in their house. You know what I mean? So, so, so you'd kind of know, and, and sometimes the body analogy like fits what you do maybe. Maybe it doesn't fit perfectly. Sorry. But, um, but, it, but everybody has a part. Everybody has a role in this church. That's the body analogy, the body of Christ. I want to go on, though, to verses 28 through 31. Maybe we'll start in 27. It says this. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets. Uh, Where did I go? Yeah, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Um, number four: gifts are to be desired but they're not to be coveted, okay? Um, now, maybe you notice that he started ranking some of the gifts in that section. First, second, third, and you're like, where am I? 16, 17, 18, 99, 100, 101, you know. And you know, like, like, I, I don't think Paul's trying to do it for the reason you think he's trying to do it. He's not trying to say, here are the great ones, and here are the, you know. He's not trying to do that, but what he's trying to say, I think, is, there are greater gifts and lesser gifts, and you, Corinthian church, are desiring some of the lesser gifts the most, the most. Because if you turn to chapter 14, he says, there's, he says, I, I, it's good if you all speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy, because it's a greater gift. It's a greater gift. So, so here, here's where my rock concert analogy hopefully all comes together, and, and it goes like this. The Corinthian church gets together to worship, and they're like, give us, the ex- give us the ecstasy. Give us the experiences. Look at me dance. Look at me do my thing in the Lord. And Paul's, not sa- Paul's saying, I'm not against the speaking in tongues and the dancing and the, and the celebrating God. I'm not against any of that. But you've got to understand You might be having an incredible spiritual experience with God, but that's not what the church gathered is supposed to be primarily about. It's about building other people up. And so he says, I'm giving you a ranking of gifts because I want you to know there are higher gifts in priority and less of a priority gifts. And you ought to desire the higher priority ones. And so here it is. Gifts are to be desired but not coveted. So when you look around in the church and you see someone's gift, Hopefully you're not saying, man, i got to have that gift. I mean, I, I've been there. I remember sitting in chapel in high school, and a senior got up, and he preached a message, and I was like, man, I would love to preach a message like that. Uh, I just don't feel like I have anything to say in front of people, and I clam up, and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but but I felt that. Or, or, or I see somebody in, in our own district, uh, the FCA district, and maybe they're really good at like building networks of relationships, and they seem to know everybody and know personal things about everybody, and they 're connected and they 're inviting people in uh, to, to like do different things in their church and i 'm like, I wish I was a better networker and, and, and the builder of those kind of relationships. I wish I was better at this or better at that, and maybe you felt that, and that 's not what God has for you if you desire gifts. May it be only because you want to impact the body of Christ in greater ways, in deeper ways, and build people up, that it doesn't become about you. What does James say? Uh, You ask, but you don't have, because when you ask, you want to spend it on your selfish, whatever the word is he uses there, selfish pleasures, or whatever it is. Um, He's like, you ask God for things, and it's just all about you, so God's not going to give you that. But, But if you were desiring greater gifts to benefit the body... God's delighted in that. Desire the greater gifts, and he ranks them for you. Now, he's not trying to rank all of them. I want to put that out there, you know, because when he says them, he says, First, apostles. I take apostles to be uh, people that experienced the resurrected Savior, were commissioned by him. I know some people look at apostleship as uh, people that are sent with a message, almost like missionaries. Um, And and there's different understandings of that. I, I see it as a first century thing myself. Uh, People that saw the risen Christ and were commissioned like Paul, the apostle. Um, But in any case, uh, where am I at? So first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, and also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others. And then he lists all the others. You're not supposed to work down the whole list and get to number 20 and go, at least I got number 20, you know. Um, You're not supposed to do that. It's supposed to be more like, yeah, there's some top ones, but, but, but maybe you should think of it more in terms of is my, um, is my gift building up the body and, and do I want it for that reason? One more word on the body analogy. I've always felt awkward saying this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Um, he talks in the body analogy about some parts and having special modesty. There's some parts you don't show off and that's on purpose. And yet those parts are kind of important to you, right? What parts do you not show off but happen to be very important to you? Think about that. And I think you know what I'm talking about. And yet he says, even if you feel like you're one of those parts, you are completely necessary. Because if you didn't have those parts, your body wouldn't work right. That's what he goes with. I never felt comfortable saying that, but I said it today. So there it is. Okay. And I didn't say more than I wanted to say about that. That's good. That's good. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, finally, oh man, I'm so glad to be at the end here. I was, I was waiting so much for this moment, and I'm glad I got through that body thing, okay. Um, <laughs> you just never you never know, you never know. Um, better move on, move on, keep it rolling. Okay. Um, all right, after, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. That last line, I have a whole thing to say about that last line. This is uh, verse 31. And now I will show you the most excellent way. So is there anything more excellent than most excellent? Pop quiz. Is there anything better than that? Than most excellent? If I speak in the tongues of men and angels and you have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres, love never fails. So he says, Church, I know you come out of a pagan background. And in that pagan background, you came to the massive venue to worship your idols. And you experienced religious ecstasy in those places. And you spoke in strange ways. And you danced. And you did all these things and it was all about what you experienced in that moment. And people looked at you and they said, oh my goodness, he's he's united to his God. Look at that amazing thing that, that our that our Aphrodite is doing to him. It's amazing. And you knew that was a spiritual guy because of what he was doing and saying in that moment. That's how you knew. And Paul says, I just want to shatter all of that. I don't care who's talking or how eloquent they are. I don't care who's dancing and how great they do it. I don't care who's worshiping and how beautiful their voice sounds. I don't care when it comes to love. I want to show you the most excellent way. If you think that you need to attain to some high spiritual level so you can be like your spiritual heroes, he's saying this, number five, love is attainable by every single one of you. And it's the best thing ever. Lo- Gifts are lesser than love, which is within your ability. You might not ever preach a sermon on stage, and some of you say, I would never want to. It would terrify me. You'll never lead worship. Some of you fumble over the words to give a, give a word of encouragement. But love is within your ability. Love is within your ability. Each of you can achieve it. And whatever flashy gift is going on in the church, love dwarfs that gift. And so you can walk into a church where everything's amazing, and maybe they even thought about the lights and how that feels and and, and how everything sounds and the perfection of it all, and you got a warm greeting. But, but if it's not loving, if it's not love-prompted and empowered, it's just a big gong. So maybe you walk out today knowing that the ultimate goal of your life and how you live it is to live in love. Because if you don't and you pursue the greater gifts, You've got nothing. Worship team, come on up. Father, I just uh I thank you for this great, great, great passage of scripture. It's a favorite. I think of first Corinthians thirteen and that that it was strategically placed between two conversations about spiritual gifts, which means it's about spiritual gifts. And oh God, that we would be a church of love, known for our love known for the depths of it and how we express it, the words that we use, the actions that we take to, to take people to doctor's appointments and, 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 and deliver gifts and, and needed food and help to people who, who, who are missing it in their life, to give encouragement to people that are down in the dumps, to, to pray for people who are in a hopeless place, that we would be a place of so much love that when people walk in, they would feel it and experience it and know that God is amongst us and indeed in us. May all of our gifts be empowered by it. May it be fuel for the fire. So that we don't sound like a gong. So that we sound like a symphony. Maybe worship you now with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.